Welcome to the Capgemini Salesforce podcast series. This is Andy Forbes with Capgemini America. I'm talking today with Lyndon Serejo, a user experience design strategist with Capgemini America. Hey, Andy, great to be here. Lyndon, let's start by having you walk through your standard UX design approach. UX design is basically, as it says in the name itself, right? It's user experience design. So it's centered around the user. And, and, and that's one of those key things that we try to focus on. Traditionally, people have gone in with, well, I've got the system or this interface, and I'm just going to have users end up using it. But our approach is, you know, let's, let's talk to these users, see what their pain points are and what exactly they need, and then design something that meets those needs. So for us, user experience design starts off with the users, uh, you know, observing them, maybe interviewing them, maybe seeing how they're doing things right now. Some of those uh, uh, tricks, hacks that they have, you know, uh, there was there was one company that we did observations for, and uh, they were insurance agents, and they used an antiquated system to to do things like your home insurance quotes, your auto insurance quotes. Uh, for their clients like you and me. And they would spend 20 minutes simply because they didn't have an intuitive system. They would have to hit F9 and then F4. So some people actually had posted stuck on their monitors with, okay, if I'm doing this, these are the 10 steps I need to go through. So after this screen, I hit an F4 and then I go here and then I have to do this, uh, get this pop-up, things like that. So you you start looking at this. Now, if you, if you just spoke to users, people who have been using this for a while, They'll say, no, it works fine. I'm, I'm used to it. And that's exactly what we heard from some of those experienced users who'd been using it for five, 10 years. But the newer people, you know, uh, with, with turnover, you get a lot of people coming in new and having to learn this. They had to go through six weeks of classroom training to, to learn to use the system. And this is, this is over and above whatever uh, industry experience they had to know. I mean, you know, this is how the industry works. These are rules, regulations, things like that. So six weeks of just trying to figure out, this is how I use this particular system. Now, is that an efficient way to do things? Not necessarily. So the client realized that they asked us to, to get involved in, in that process. So we observed these users, documented some of these pain points, um, you know, did interviews with them, and took all these, uh, you know, user needs, user requirements that came out of this, you know, worked the business to prioritize some of the business and user requirements, and then came up with, uh, you know, these are the insights that we've got. Now, this is how we translate this into design. Now, uh, we've got our user inputs. We've uh, taken them and started to do high-level design. So we've got, okay, this is how we can reimagine what this experience can be like for these users. Um, we use a lot of uh, prototyping, and we like to do high-fidelity interactive prototyping. So, so let me... Uh, stop here for a second to explain that high fidelity uh, simply means that it is it looks and feels like it's a real system but nothing's really built it's all uh, smoke and mirrors as, as you'd say in the wizard of oz right um, the interactive part is where you can click through things so that it looks like it's fully functional you can go through a flow from start to finish and people get the experience of that flow are able to kind of use this so-called uh prototyped or mocked up uh, version that we have for them to give us feedback. Yes, you know what, this works for me. Or no, I need to tweak this. Here's where I'm not really getting this. Or, you know, use that feedback for us to 
then tweak that design a little bit more. Now, keep in mind, all of this is done before we start any development. We, we do keep technical cons considerations and constraints in our mind as we are going through this, but usually users are involved to, you know, to start with the users, understand uh, their pain points, feel empathy for them. Uh, they're involved through the process, so they give us feedback early and often, so we can use that feedback to improve our designs. And then finally, at the end of it, when we have what we think is a finalized design, we again go and do usability testing with them to make sure it still works for them or are there minor tweaks that we need to do. And this cycle can repeat itself. So after after this is out, you can monitor it. Uh, you know, there are new enhancements that keep coming in all the time or additions, features, functionality, content that people throw out there. How does that really meet the needs of the users? And, and that's what, uh, you know, user-centered and user experience design is for us. So let's talk a little bit about how to apply this to Salesforce. In the Salesforce world, we've got actually multiple UXs, but focusing for this podcast, we have what internal users see, we have communities, which external users see, and we have mobile. Let's focus on internal, which is what the standard Salesforce user sees. In that world, the Lightning Web Components are essentially rectangles. So I, I can customize within a rectangle, but customizing the overall screen is a lot tougher. How would you approach tweaking that environment to optimize the user experience? Andy, that's that's a great question. So uh, usually we've had people, you know, Salesforce has done a, a great job coming up with Lightning and, and a lot of other companies also do something similar. So uh, SAP has Fury, um, you know, you, you see your SharePoint sites today, they are very different from what they were uh, five, 10 years ago. And, and you know, all of these are very modern. Um, they are responsive for most part. So you can, you know, easily move them from, you know, someone can use them on a laptop and then switch to a tablet or a phone in some cases and still use it fairly easily. And, and the look and feel is modern. So it doesn't feel like the old, um, you know, 90s or early 2000s interfaces that you used to have and, and that's a great job and a great start unfortunately uh you know this works for most of the people uh, most of the time but when we worked with clients uh you know particularly with lightning interfaces there are certain things uh that that may not meet a particular user's flow so each company is different you know they have certain things they need to do they've taken salesforce and they've uh uh, tweaked it or they have their own workflow that they need to go through and um, you know it it may not meet the needs so what we do is again keeping our user-centered design process in mind we start off with the user so we look at the what they are trying to do with this lightning implementation or what will it change for them from their current implementation so maybe the, the they're moving to lightning from from an older interface or they're moving from a different system to lightning for the first time so we try to understand what are the tasks that they need to do, uh, what are they trying to achieve, and then look at how Salesforce meets that needs out of the box. Now, it, it in some cases, it meets at 90% of the time, you'll find that I, I can use, you know, uh, set up Salesforce Lightning away we go, and they can use it for most of the parts. Now, but what we often find is there are certain pieces that don't really work for the user. And you have these, uh, you know, components on your screen. You talked about the, the rectangles. Now, some of these rectangles or the boxes that you have there, those components may not 
you know, meet the user's needs. A simple example was this is big, um, you know, uh, energy client that we were working with. And they were, you know, very fixated, the, the users were very fixated on seeing a traffic light system for one of those components. And that's not something that's available out of the box. So we, we understood, you know, where they came from, why they are used to seeing it, why they expect to see it. And didn't try to change their behavior. It didn't really need to be changed. It was a simple uh, way for us to create one custom component in there that could meet their needs. Uh, you know, didn't have to go about changing the whole behavior and expectations there. And it was fairly simple. So uh, understand users' needs, see where we can use things out of the box. So we, we look at it from three lenses. One is, uh, it, it's what we call a fit gap analysis. Um, does this work for the users out of the box? Great. And for most part, we look at 80% of the time, 80, 90% of the time, that works for them. Now, the remaining part, there may be a, a smaller section where we need to tweak things, like the example I gave you earlier. You, you take a component, you may create a custom component there where you change that design, you change that user experience, you change the content a little bit to meet their needs. And, and they are happy there for it. And there's a very little, so if you think of it uh, like a pyramid, the bottom part is where, you know, use things out of the box. The middle part is a few tweaks here and there. And the top, very, very tiny portion is where we, we try to look at, are there any screens that need to be completely customized? So uh, what we call custom screens, start from scratch, create it. And, and that's where this is because what they have out of the box doesn't meet their needs, or they may have certain very specific needs. I need to see content in you know, this particular order or this particular layout. I need to go through these particular steps. Now, when we look at those custom screens, we're not creating this from scratch. I mean, we are taking the inputs and what they need to see, but we are using Salesforce Lightning design standards and uh, you know any templates and guidelines so that that experience stays the same for them. It's it's uh, something consistent with everything else that they're using in Lightning, uh, yet it has been customized for them. So it's a custom screen. It does look like everything else, but it meets their needs first. So again, our, our goal through all of this is, you know, do uh, understand the needs, create whatever tweaks we need to do. And uh, like I mentioned earlier, we use rapid prototyping a lot. So we we uh, usually go and create these mockups that we can take and validate with users before we ask Salesforce, our development team, to start building this out. And um, in, in this case, we've kept in mind what we can do in Salesforce so we don't kind of prototype or mock-up something that we cannot build. We are using the design and standards that they have. They've done a great job with their design system, so it's easy for us to say, hey, I need this, you know, I can just use this piece for the navigation here, and I need to use this piece for, if I've got a drop-down list, let me use this piece. So it's easy for us to take that, mock that up, show users, get their feedback, make sure the design works for them before we start building anything. And, and that saves a lot of time and frustration and training down the road. The Salesforce communities can be straight up websites. So for a user that wants to customize that, I would think your standard design approach would work. Let's talk a little bit about mobile. How is your approach to mobile different from what you've already talked about? For mobile, what we ask the users is what exactly are you trying to do on mobile? And why are you trying to do that again? Now, 
uh, out of the box, there are a lot of things that are fully responsive and people can expect to, you know, be or sometimes expect to be able to do everything on mobile. But the, the real question is, what are you trying to do or what's important for you to do on a mobile device? Now, mobiles come a long way. You know, uh, today you can do, you know, take a normal website and there's a lot you can do, but there's still some things that do not necessarily make sense on a mobile device. So let's let's take, uh, you know, a salesperson who has finished a call with a client, right? And they're on the road. Uh, mobile's a great way for them to update some quick notes in there or put some reminders, but are they going to really create an opportunity, so to speak, uh, you know, with all those fields that you need to fill in there on a mobile device? Uh, chances are no. And and when we ask them, that's the answer that we typically get. I only need to maybe set this up so it's a reminder for me. I can go back and complete it on the laptop. So our, our goal with mobile is to figure out, uh, you know, if something you know it doesn't work natively from you or doesn't work responsively for them. What do we need to do to meet those user needs on their mobile devices? Again, it comes down to, uh, you know, users, the context of use, uh, what are they trying to do there? And, you know, where are they using this? So if they're using a mobile device in, in a place that's dimly lit, it's very different from somewhere where you're using it in, in a car in bright sunlight outside, and you know, uh, on, on a summer day where you have to deal with glare and things like that. So we try to keep some of those things in mind as we go through our design. So the design can then uh, meet meet those user needs. And again, prototyping, easy to do and quick to do, cheap to do, rather than going building something and then finding out it doesn't work. So we, uh, again, prototype, show them on their own mobile device that they are using. They're able to click through it and say, yeah, you know what, uh, this works for me or no. Now, now that I'm looking at it on a mobile device and actually trying to enter this, what I thought I wanted is not really what I want. Here's what I really need. And and we get that feedback early, easy for us to make those updates, uh, make sure it works for them, and then start any development on it. Looking a little bit further into the future, Lyndon, have you all given any thought to the augmented reality or virtual reality design experience? It's been around for a few years. They've talked about AR and VR being, this is the year of AR and VR, but we... Uh, you know, it, it's not really reached that point where it is commonplace for people to start using it. So I think over the coming years, we'll probably see a little more effort in that. Hopefully, uh, you know, uh, we'll be there a little bit ahead of that curve with a design approach and how we can uh, design AR, VR experiences uh, before, before we have to actually start doing that. The reason I, I bring it up is I, I watched a presentation by Mojo Vision recently, which is uh, augmented reality contact lenses. Literally, it's a contact lens that's a, a screen on your eye. I'm one of those people. I'm great at faces, but I'm terrible at names. I want so badly to be in a room of customers and have a contact lens or a heads-up display that floats each person's name over their head as I walk through the room. <laughs> <laughs> uh, absolutely. And actually, uh, it's weird that you bring that up today. Uh, today, The topic of my, uh, I was telling you about the A to Z. I'm, I'm working on recognition over recall, uh, one of those UX principles. And that's exactly what it's about, right? You can, you recognize a person. I know that person, I've seen them before, but you have to dig into your mind to recall what that person's name was or where you saw them, what the context was for it. And, and how we use that in design to make it easier for people to recognize versus uh, struggling to recall something. 
Well, and, and that's one of the tools that I built in Salesforce several years ago now was for the, the CEO, the COO, the, the CFO of the, it was a Fortune 500 company that I worked for. When the numbers get big enough, people in the C-suite get involved. And one of the things we built for them is a tool in Salesforce so that if their PA called and said, hey, the CEO of big customers on the phone and it wants to talk to you, they could turn to Salesforce and literally with a couple of clicks, get a single screen that was a quick 360 of our relationship, our current business with that company and with that person so that they could pick the phone up and be knowledgeable. I would love to see that embedded in a heads up display. I mean, it's great when it's on my phone and my computer screen, don't get me wrong, but I would love to have it thrown up in a heads up display as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, again, going back to that insurance example, anytime a customer calls, uh, first thing they want to do is be able to see, hey, okay, you know, uh, have these guys paid their bill? When's the last uh, time I spoke to them? Maybe some personal notes. Hey, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, it's your spouse's or it's your wedding anniversary coming up. Congratulations on that or things like that. And and, um, always great to keep that personal connection, even though you may not be able to remember all of that, to have that easily available. Great. So definitely using technology and emerging technology to do this. Absolutely great. I agree with everything you said, except for when you drifted into PII territory where I get a nervous eye tick going. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for all these insights, Lyndon. I look forward to talking to you uh, in the future in more detail about some of these. Absolutely, Andy. Thank you so much for having me on today. You've been listening to the Capgemini Salesforce podcast series. To learn more about Capgemini and Salesforce, go to www.capgemini.com forward slash partner forward slash Salesforce.